I did not realize how much I was going to grow spiritually when I got married. I mean, I loved Dina's heart for the Lord. I loved the things that she did to cultivate that relationship she had with God. I loved the questions she asked. I never realized that living with her would bring all of that into my life on a 24-7 basis and really just sharpen me spiritually. Uh, The truth is, growing closer to God is the most important thing you can do for a healthy relationship with your spouse. And uh, I hope you enjoyed that kind of a spiritually-centered marriage. I'm John Fuller, joined in the studio by Greg and Aaron Smalley. They're in charge of the Focus on the Family Marriage Department. And Greg, um, what do the numbers say? I know you you love research, and this is one of the fun things about uh, talking with you. You always bring up something. What's a nugget of truth, or what are the stats about the difference that having a strong spiritual connection makes for a couple. Yeah, it actually significantly reduces the divorce rate for couples who are pursuing this together. Because, you know, the truth is we we all need to have our own spiritual relationship with the Lord. That's something personal between me and the Lord. But then Aaron and I need that type of connection. And, and really what they're finding is that praying together and attending church together are the two behaviors spiritually that make such a big difference. Matter of fact, they found that couples that pray together on a daily basis, like their divorce rate is almost non-existent. And it's interesting to me because I think part of what happens is that praying together creates a very unique type of intimacy. And so not only are we connecting it, it honestly, the deepest level, but there really is something about Aaron and I submitting together before the Lord. Yeah. And, and those kind of dynamics, if that's done together, makes such a big difference. It's so true. When I have a couple who's, they're believers, and I'm working with them as a therapist, and they're open to prayer, I mean, all it takes makes my job easy. Send them home and give them the assignment of praying together daily. And it's amazing to me the progress that they begin to make yeah. as far as their level of connection, their level of intimacy, and the healing that begins to happen as they're seeking God over whatever's gone on in their marriage. It's amazing to me. And so often as believers, we don't pull on that power and pull on that level of connection that we have accessible to us. Yeah, and I, I've got to say, um, you're taking me back to the uh, very early days before we started dating. I asked Dina out, and she said no. Now, we, we were friends, and we, we were in a Bible study together and some other stuff at church, but I decided that I was just going to continue to pursue her as a prayer partner. You now, were clever. <laughs> that was, that's a new one. Kind wow. of, it was kind of true. Yeah. It was sort of pure motives. I really did want to—I knew prayer was important to her, so I, I said, well, let's just keep praying together. Hey, all's fair in love. We don't have to date. More. Let's just keep praying together. And it really did bring us closer together. In 30—how to, many? 30, 36 years. Six years well, later. that was 38 years ago, so— <laughs> Can you believe? <laughs> you need to write a, a how to how date to con guide, your, how to how to, con how to get your any girl. girl. <laughs> They'd be bestseller. Right yeah, there. maybe. Well, I just shared something that I don't recommend necessarily, but it did work out okay <laughs> for me. So the point of it is, praying together really can bring you closer together in whatever phase your relationship is at. So let's go ahead and hear part of a conversation that Focus President Jim Daly had with actually the two of you, Greg and Aaron, uh, based on your book called Reconnected. We have copies of that, by the way, and uh, you can get information about that in the show notes. 
Uh, here now are Greg and Aaron Smalley discussing some helpful questions to ask your spouse with regard to growing in your commitment to God. Now, you have developed four questions you ask each other, and I'd love to post those on the website okay. so people can yeah. go. Because when I looked at all the content and material, these really, they hit me and it reminded me that I need to do this, frankly. Speak to those four questions you ask each other. Yeah, the point of the four questions was when I realized that that we had to be intentional to have this life-giving conversation, then I kind of went, okay, so how would I really do that? <laughs> like, what what does that mean? So I just asked Aaron, I said, okay, if, if, if I'm gonna explore your inner life, so whatever's going down a little bit deeper, what, what could I ask you that would be meaningful? And instantly she goes, oh, I got four. Ask me how I'm feeling, so how am I doing emotionally, okay? Ask me how things are going between me and our children, but not from an administrative standpoint. A relational standpoint. A relational standpoint. Um, her female friendships are very important to Erin. So she said, ask me how things are going between me and my girlfriends. And then this last one I love. She said, ask me one thing that God's been teaching me as of late. Well, I tell you what, I have locked those into my brain. So anytime that we're, you know, commuting to, uh, you know, a kid's practice or sitting in a in a, the stands, you know, as they're playing or at dinnertime or wherever, I'll just ask one. Okay, then you have mm-hmm. to listen. Well, that's yes. that, that, that is don't, implied. You're in big trouble. Yeah, and the <laughs> propensity is to want to fix it if there's a problem or, you know, let's delve into, you know, if we did A, B, C, and D, well, then that wouldn't be happening. You wouldn't feel like that. But it's just recognizing you're just listening yeah. and trying to understand and caring about what they're going through. Well, as guys, yeah. we need a goal. So here's the goal. So I ask her those questions simply to stay updated yeah, that's good. And what's going on in her life. I want to stay current. No, that's good. Now, Aaron, you have four that are different from yes. Greg's that you ask him. Yeah. What are they? Yeah, because if I started with how are you feeling, he might just go blank and... Fine. Yeah. yeah. And, and the point is, <laughs> yes. you, you can create okay. any. Yeah. What's going to work in your yes. marriage? And but these are good ones. Yeah, so I'll ask him when he, when he comes home after a long day, um, we'll sit and we'll have our 10 minutes together. You know, what was the high of your day? Okay, what was the low of your day? You know, what is what is stressing you out? What John is it? Fuller's name comes up a lot. No, <laughs> this is good. I like this. What is really, you know, weighing heavy, stressing you out at work and at home? And again, my goal isn't to fix it or to try to make it better. It's just to listen and to care and to know what's going on inside of Greg, as well as what's God teaching you right now. Huh. We're both, you know, into different things during the day, and God is speaking to us through so many different modes, and so it's fun to hear what God is teaching Greg. No, that is really good. And, and <laughs> let me, and, and again, remember, it started f- with me asking her to really get to know you, what would be meaningful to you to have me ask on a regular basis? So, I mean, the, these are not prescripted, like, You're right. these are the four you need to ask. Yeah. We, as a matter of fact... And let, we should put these on the show notes, which I'm now doing John Fuller's okay. job. So, so I'm so sorry. <laughs> Thank you for doing that. <laughs> but we, we have created, though, like hundreds and hundreds yeah. of questions that couples can ask. Mm-hmm. And you can link into that, download it. I've put these on my cell phone. So under the notes, you can carry a copy in your car. I mean, get a little PDF. So we, we've got hundreds that will prompt as you look through them what would be several that are meaningful. Yeah, I mm-hmm. print those off daily for couples. I'm like, here, you're not talking. Take these. Start here. See which ones work for you. Because a simple little question can lead to such a deep, in-depth conversation. 
Well, I love those four questions that you two mentioned in that conversation with Jim, and I'm going to ask Dina those a lot in the coming days. And um, by the way, what brilliant guests. Yes, I, know. I, I, I was could not say, add such, a thing. Such great radio voices. <laughs> <laughs> Well, a lot of the content that we're talking about today is from the book that Greg and Aaron Smalley have written. It's called Reconnected, and you both discuss the importance of building good spiritual habits. And what are some of the big ones that couples need to establish, and and how do they get started if this is all kind of foreign to them? Yeah, I think the best way is to break it up this way, to think about what are some things that we need to do on a daily basis what are some things that we need to do on a weekly basis? And then even what, what could be something we do on an annual, yearly basis? And that, that really helped because when I hear people talk about you need to have a you know stronger spiritual relationship, my eyes kind of glaze over, it, it gets overwhelming. Yeah, what does that mean? Right. Yeah. And so for me, it's been helpful to think about what, what's maybe one thing from each of those broad categories, daily, weekly, and annually, that we could really incorporate? We talked about in the beginning uh, about the power of praying together on a daily basis, and I would still argue that if when you think about something to do every day, start there. Start by praying together as a couple. Mm-hmm. And you can keep it simple. Just, hey, what's one thing that I can pray for you about? Just simple, because so many times couples make this such a big deal. Yeah. You know, how do we pray together? You know what? Grab hands. How can I pray for you today? What do you have going on today? Let me pray for you. But then also, what can we do weekly? Attend church together. Get into a marriage small group. You need to be surrounded with other like-minded people, especially in this day and age. We need each other to support marriage and just the the protection of marriage. And when we go through those difficult times that we have people around us that are like-minded and supporting and fighting for our marriage and we're fighting for theirs, but then maybe it's yearly, yearly plan an adventure of some sort, make it a mission trip or ministering together. And once a year, we're going to go down to the food pantry and we're going to volunteer. Um, Whatever it is, it doesn't have to be ginormous, but make it something simple and just do it together. Yeah, I appreciate that. I'm still thinking about the prayer thing after my confession earlier on about my mixed motives with Dina. (laughs) We did in the, um, you know, and again, some of this goes it, by the wayside. I'm it not was saying, brilliant, John. You don't need to defend. It worked. I got the it girl. Was, it was worked. So um, exactly. there are seasons. I think we have to be honest. There are seasons when you can do these things, all of them, really well. There are other seasons where it's, you know what? It's just a struggle even to be nice to each other as we're interacting. So, well, And I even just the other day was, was I, I think, from two different men who I really respect talking about, you know, hey, I just finished our our daily devotion with my wife. And I'll hear that and I get guilty because I'm like, oh, I need to be doing that. And I'm just saying that because it's so easy to fall into that trap. I think that's that's where Satan wants to attack us is to, well, you're not measuring up. You're not doing enough. There's always something else. You're going to hear, boy, John, honestly, you talk about prayer and how that even led to your marriage with Dina as the beginning point, but I love listening to you pray. I really do. You you do that so well. You're so articulate. It just, I'm like, wow, I can't do that. 
And honestly, there's moments where I'm like, I don't ever want to pray out loud again. If John's in the room, I'll make <laughs> but, him do it. But God doesn't care, no, right? I'm, he just but, wants but to hear, hear our me. heart. It's, yeah. That's the point. Yeah. There, there's, it's so easy to get discouraged or to feel inadequate or, mm-hmm. I, you know, the, he does it better. She does it better. You know, to see this couple and like, oh, they're amazing. I can't do that. You just jump in and figure out what are we going to do every day together some small thing. What are we going to do on a weekly basis? And then maybe what's one kind of fun adventure, spiritual adventure yeah. we could do together and, and just go for it. Well, thank you for your kind words. Just so you know, this has been a struggle. I mean, it, be, it was the beginning of our marriage, but we had six kids and it got really busy. And so um, I actually had a season where I just quit praying because I sort of felt like Dina didn't care. And just this past holiday season, someone gave me a book that they thought was really nice. It was an old book, like a hundred-year-old book that got reprinted, and it's a morning prayer and an evening prayer. And I thought, okay, well, I'll just read the evening prayer at night before we go to sleep. And I did that like for four nights, and the fifth night, something happened, and I was getting in bed, and Dina looked up and said, aren't you going to pray? Nice. Hmm. It's a simple thing. It doesn't have to be... This, you know, oh, great God kind of prayer. It was just this guy a hundred years ago who wrote down a daily prayer. Mm -hmm. I prayed it with Dina. It just took four times for her to say, I love that. Aren't you going to keep doing that? So find a tool, make it work for you is the point. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be perfect, and it's not going to look for you like it does for me or, or Greg and Aaron. So find something that works and do it. Uh, All right, let's go ahead now and hear from Ryan and Selena Frederick. Uh, They're the founders of a ministry called Fierce Marriage, and here they are explaining how being vulnerable can really strengthen your relationship with God and with each other. Well, let's get right into it. Um, Describe what transparency is supposed to look like, and then explain why you say it's both our greatest desire and our greatest fear. I can relate to the fear part. <laughs> yes, yes. And that's a big, big topic, big question. I think uh, it's tricky. It's not easy to nail down. That's one of the reasons why we wrote this book is because people want this level of being known and they want this level of feeling loved because they feel fully known. And so what does that actually look like in marriage and in biblical relationship? I think we see a picture of that. Uh, the passage that we kind of focus on is in First John uh, chapter 1. Uh, we walk in the light as he is in the light so that we can have two things— fellowship with one another and being cleansed from unrighteousness. So what does it mean to have a transparent marriage? I think it's just being, uh, not hiding anything. And that's easier said than done. Yeah. I was going to say one of the challenges sometimes in counseling, you know, they will coach you to not necessarily share everything. You know, when I was 15, I did this, or when I was 18, Hmm. I did that. Yeah. Is there room for, uh, you know, being wise there and not being silly about it? Yeah, I think the the perp, we look at the end purpose of transparency, right? It's not just to share all of our dirty laundry and rehash some crime scenes, things that we've, you know, experienced in our marriage or outside of our marriage, but really the purpose is to say, this is an experience I, I had, and it might be contributing to the struggles that we're having. Oh, so it has context. Yes. Oh, that's good. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Uh, you compare our transparency to a stained glass window. In fact, your book cover is awesome. I mean, it's got holes punched through it, and it <laughs> looks like a stained glass window. Yes. And in fact, Jean commented on it, how much she liked it. So that's you awesome. connected yeah. just with yeah. the book cover. <laughs> awesome. But what were you getting at there that our, our transparency is like a stained glass window? 
Yeah. So Selena spoke to the context, the end in mind, which is to what, as Christians, what is our purpose, right? To glorify God. And as John Piper would say, enjoy him forever, right? Mm -hmm. That sort of thing. And so stained glass is the picture we kind of zeroed in on in that we're imperfect shards of glass. We're different shades, different colors. Actually came from an experience we had when we got engaged at St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York City. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was just so beautiful. And I I remember thinking about that and just being in awe of how wonderful this intricate design was. And then as we were writing this book, I was thinking... I was thinking. Selena was thinking. We argued about this. I was like, no, I'm pretty sure this was my idea. (laughs) We constantly have this. Uh, Good for you, Selena. But what made it beautiful was the light, right? And and so our role is really to be, uh, I guess, vessels of the light, right? In in the Gospel of John, that's what John the Baptist said, is I'm not the light, but I'm here to tell you about the one who is the light, Mm -hmm. right? And one of the first verses there, the light has shone in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it, right? That's Jesus. And that's our role. That's why transparency is important. So how did that idea come to you? This is your moment. I'm giving it to you, Selena. Finally, (laughs) finally here. Um, No, I just, when we're talking about being see-through and being transparent and knowing I guess knowing ourselves, seeing ourselves rightly, right, through the lens of the gospel. And so when I'm, when I can see who I am, see the flaws that are inside of me, know that those are there for a purpose. They're not just there to hurt the people around me, to live in darkness and shame and isolation, but they're there because God has allowed them and they add beauty and they add purpose when only when he is shown through that. So not only is he through the gospel calling us out of the darkness, but he's calling us into the light, right? So there's Where things two, are seen. Absolutely. You know, but here's the problem. We as human beings, maybe because of that sin nature that we have, mm-hmm. we don't like that. Right. You know, mm-hmm. we do hide and we do pull back from being exposed. Yeah. And I guess, let me ask a two-part question. You yeah. guys go for it. A, why do we do that? Um, as rational people, and maybe the, the answer's right there because we're not rational people, <laughs> but... We see that covering up is, in the short run, a better move than being transparent. And I think you even look at Adam and Eve in that regard, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We're just like them, right? When they sinned, what did they do? They ran and hid. They felt naked and ashamed, whereas they had been naked and unashamed previous to the fall. And then God's, you know, walking through the cool of the, we all know the story, or at least probably know the story. (laughs) And he says, where are you? Well, that's God basically saying, like, come clean on the, tell me recognize what happened here. And I think, uh, anyway, our tendency is to do that. I love this quote. I can't remember verbatim, but Jared Wilson wrote this and it's, uh, he said, Adam and Eve, when they sinned in the garden, they ran and hid behind the trees. And he says, I think they're onto something. Now today we have a tree we can run and hide behind and that tree is the cross of Christ. And so Mm -hmm. I think to fight that tendency is to admit the authority and the truth of the gospel and to really pin your identity on that and to trust that. And I think that's the fight of the Christian life in marriage and parenting and just living is to constantly believe, repent and believe the gospel more fully so that I can actually live in full light of it. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's important in marriage because we see marriage as an avenue for this this sanctification mm-hmm. to continue happening. And that's what the book's really all about. Yeah. You know, uh, I want to go there. And I in the open, I talked about brain chemistry and all that. And I know some are going to say, well, I'm more like how men mm-hmm. act and my husband's more like how... And I get that. It's mm-hmm. kind of the 80-20 rule. But how much of that plays into our, I guess, our inability to, especially as men, I'll just ask you, Selena, you know, just me as a husband. I mean, this is, for Jean and I, this is our thing in our marriage. I mean, she's, you know, she just feels like I, I'm not as connected emotionally. Some of that's trauma. You know, I had a hard childhood. I'm mm-hmm. sure it's survival instincts. Mm-hmm. But how do we as men become more aware or how do we... Uh, 
you know, engage our wives, it's a little frightening to us. Sure. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing is knowing them, knowing how they feel loved. Oftentimes, I think we project how I feel loved through words of affirmation. So therefore, I'm going to give my husband words of affirmation when maybe that doesn't speak volumes doesn't at all connect. to him. Right. Yeah. So kind of, again, learning their love language, understanding. Um, I mean, you mentioned family of origin and past trauma. I think I can identify with that of not knowing how to always receive the love. And I think maybe hmm. women... You know, I come from a generation of divorce and men falling out of the household. And so then I'm looking at him, trying to connect with him and loving him and allowing him to love me. But that can be a struggle because I haven't identified that as, you know, knowing a savior through your father. And that's a disconnect. Yeah. And so I appreciate that, Selena, because so often I think in my own experience, I feel like Gene's expectations are so high. Mm -hmm. I only got one route and that's disappointment. Right. Because I can't get on that highway with you. (laughs) I hear you. But she's, you know, she has that expectation. In fact, Ryan, two years ago or so, you you had, uh, you know, some painful experiences, your memories of your family. Describe what happened there so people can latch onto this. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so basically, God had been kind of softening my heart to this thing, and it took months probably for me to get to the point that I'm going to explain here. But basically, I had been remembering things from my childhood, like 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, around there, that really just made me feel a lot of shame. Uh, and the details aren't honestly that important, because I think everybody has something in there that's like, it's just kind of squished yeah, down. Yeah, fill in the noun. Right, mm-hmm. yeah. Whatever it is. And I was just like, yeah, that's not relevant to our marriage. I'm just... I just thought of it for whatever reason, but I don't need to deal with it. So I kept kind of pushing it down, but the Holy Spirit would not let that remain, right? And so I was in church one morning, and we were doing communion, and I was just, and it was just like, I just felt this clear as day, you need to just be transparent in this. You are writing a book on this, (laughs) right? And you try to live this, and so anyway. That's called conviction. Right. (laughs) It's so inconvenient, right? (laughs) We don't like that either. No, it's terrible. (laughs) And so on the way home from church, uh, I just said, hey, I got to talk to you about, it was actually during communion. I said this, I said, I need to tell you something just, just so you know, like it's from a long time ago, but I just need to let be known in this way. And so you're kind of, Selena's kind of like on pins and needles, right? right? Like we didn't really talk a lot going home. We went out to lunch with the kids. They had, by God's grace, they all fell asleep in the car. And so we had this private moment and I could just say, Hey, this is, and just put it all out there. And, uh, but your reaction, I thought you were going to just reject me and just like basically throw it in my face and, and make me feel more shame. And I was going out on a limb, and instead she says, hey, that just helps me love you more. By the way, here's how I can be vulnerable. And now you start, she starts sharing all these things that she had kind of been feeling the same level of conviction on. And then, you know, an hour later, we felt closer than ever. Yeah, and I think <laughs> yeah. as a spouse, it kind of, it still kind of grieves me to hear that, you know, my husband thinks that this is the way I'll respond. Not that he doesn't I think it me, has very little to do exactly. with you. It does. Exactly. I mean, yeah, it's our exactly. fear. Right. It's the fear exactly. that we create that if I am transparent, I'm going to get crushed. Right. Because it's not healthy, yeah. it's not right, right? Right. And that, how does a couple, you know, how do they have their moment? Like you were there at communion, that's pretty profound. Yeah. How do you begin to set that up with one mm. another? <laughs> Honey, I want to tell you something that's going to really be hard to hear. I'm a big fan of queuing it up and saying, hey, we need, we need margin to talk about this. Let's set a time. Let's set a, a place. Let's make sure we have an hour because I want to talk to you about an important thing. I think mm-hmm. I come more prepared. Selena comes more prepared. 
kids are asleep or yeah. a baby, whatever that thing is, and we can actually, instead of just throwing it out there and having it be a can of Yeah, worms. this can work both ways again. So I, I don't mean to put the shoe yeah. on right. one foot, but Celine, I do. You're representing all females here. <laughs> so, I mean, in that regard, how does a woman who's, you know, kind of in a good place, she's healthy spiritually, healthy emotionally, she's got some concerns for her husband's inability to be transparent mm. emotionally. How, if that moment comes and he's going to tell you something, how do you, I want to say ensure, but I don't think you can, but how do you react in such a way that allows you to have continued transparency and you don't really step on his oxygen hose? Right, yeah. I mean, that's got to be hard too, especially if it's tough mm -hmm. news. Yeah. You know, a previous relationship before you got married, Mm -hmm. whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. What coaching do you have for the wife particularly to say, bite your tongue, yes. and how do you respond if it's not a positive thing? Oh, the Lord is so faithful. I think the Holy Spirit is so faithful to show up in your own heart and in your own life, and um, knowing how much God's grace is extended to me, uh, mm-hmm. I therefore can see how delicate of a situation this is, and my response is so important at that moment. If I mm. clamp down that oxygen hose, it's going to kill. It's just going to kill him. And I remember, I vividly remember one of our first really hard conversations as a kind of probably three, four years into our marriage of, you know, talking about certain addictions or something. And he had shared with me and I was, I felt that I was like, God has given me this position of either helping my husband, really helping and stepping into that role Mm. or really cutting him off and allowing sin and brokenness to just take over. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was just saying, just love him, just extend grace. By extending grace, you are not permitting, you're not allowing, you're not saying this is okay. What you're saying is, I have grace for you, I have forgiveness for you, this is what I've experienced in Christ, let's do this together, let's walk in this together, because he's not alone, we are one. So whatever his um, struggles might be, those are mine as well. So who am I to lord anything over anyone? Um, So I can then come alongside and it's a joyous role, honestly, to step into, to be able to really, I think, help and love your husband, your man, you know, that yeah, it's way. Healthy. Yeah. It sounds yeah. good. And that's the call of marriage, isn't it? Right. To carry each other's burdens in a way that nobody else really can. Yes. You know, Ryan and Selena have done such a good job of sharing what they've learned through their struggles and their successes. And I really do recommend their book, See Through Marriage. It is a great resource, and it's available on our website. We're going to link over to it in the show notes. And I'm sitting with Greg and Aaron Smalley. Aaron, you are a big advocate for being vulnerable. I, you and Greg have told so many stories about uh, yourselves that really, if, if somebody didn't know, they'd think, seriously? And they run the marriage department at Focus? But this <laughs> level of authenticity yeah. and transparency... Yeah, I never thought about that. <laughs> I, know, Thank you, John. I can't tell talk. you how often I thought about it. <laughs> No, God, you, you know what? God has given you all some really wonderful stories. And Greg, you've shared, you write them down, which is one of the reasons you have them. Yeah. But I think you do a wonderful job of stewarding those stories, of sharing them so we can all learn. Um, talk about what you've gained through being vulnerable with each other and then with other people in some of those struggles. One of the greatest human longings is to be fully known fully known and fully loved. But as human beings, what we end up doing is stifling that because we hide. We don't put it out there. We're fearful to put it out there because of past experience. 
So there's something that's so valuable about being vulnerable within this marriage relationship. Now, granted, it needs to feel safe in order to do that. What do you mean by that? Feeling safe is when you know that you can be open, you can share your heart, and you're not going to be met with criticism, judgment, you know, harshness, sarcasm, sarcasm, name calling, any of that. So it's being intentional that when your spouse opens up to you, that the greatest thing you can do is really listen and be curious and seek to understand. And even if it's something shocking, that but that means you've got to manage you and what's going on inside of you so you can stay open, so you really can stay engaged. Yeah. I remember one time I was on a business trip and uh, with some male colleagues, and we just we had an enjoyable dinner at some point. We were just talking about just some things that have gone on you know, maybe choices we've made, things that have happened within our marriage, and maybe some things that we have never told our spouse about. Fantastic conversation. Man, I really connected, felt close to these guys. So I get home. Well, one of the guys tells his wife about what we did. Aaron ends up talking to this woman randomly, and she goes, hey, it sounds like the guy's really connected, had some deep conversation, shared some things that they've never told their wives before us about. And so Aaron comes home and says, uh, hey, by the way, what? so what, what did you share? And, and it was really interesting because my first urge was to run and hide. And I started saying to her, you know what? I mean, that was between me and the boys. We were just goofing around. What happens we're just, in just a men's talking. group stays in a men's right. group. Right. And yeah. I even said something like, you know what? I don't think it's healthy that we share every little thought, every little thing that goes on. I mean, I'll, I'll share you know, important things with you. So I'm defending, justifying, rationalizing, and Aaron's just sitting there. <laughs> Waiting. Arms listening. crossed. Exactly. Dagger eyes. Come on, fess up. But what she did, though, is that she did create a safe place. Yeah. And she just said, hey, you, don't, you obviously don't have to share anything. I was just curious. And she goes, hey, and remember, I mean, there's nothing that you could do that will change my love for you and, and my commitment to you. And the more that we talked, the more I began to share. And I ended up telling her kind of what, what I had shared. But I was blown away at the connection and the intimacy that that conversation created for us. Like my fear was, well, if I ever share sort of an ongoing or some sort of failure and again, I'm not. It, it doesn't have to be big stuff. It's the little stuff. Maybe it was a, you know, I I had a lustful thought, or what, I mean, whatever. I was blown away it by being honest and transparent with Aaron. Um, how that really did cultivate a, a very deep yeah. connection. I, w- I was stunned. Right. I was not expecting that. And it, it's so counterintuitive. So often when I'm working with a couple that's had a break in trust. For me to say, you know, what really builds intimacy and connection and vulnerability is sharing ongoing failures. And it's so interesting because most couples are like, what? Me sharing what I've done wrong is actually going to build connection in my marriage? Yes, it does. And so it's hard. It's difficult. And it's even going to your spouse and going, hey, something happened, but I want to share it with you. How can we do this in a way that will feel safe to you and to me? 
and have that conversation. I tell, I say that that's talking about talking about it. It's like a prelude to the conversation. And what this really does is it's, it's training your marriage that this is how we're going to behave, that we are going to talk about failures. We are going to talk about challenges and struggles, and we're going to be open and honest, and, and let's be fully known. That's the coolest thing. That's what every person so deeply longs for within their marriage. So that's how you train. It's going to be awkward in the beginning because we're, we're all fighting that natural instinct to go hide like yeah. Adam and Eve I was just going to say, this is like the garden, yeah. isn't it? And that's, just, that's our natural instinct. I've made a mistake. You know, I haven't measured up, whatever it is. I don't want anybody to know that. I especially don't want my wife to know that. But it really is counterintuitive because it will do the exact opposite if you guys make it a point to create a safe space to do that. And just watch. And over time, it just becomes normal. And and watch just how that will strengthen the connection between you two. Well, I so appreciate your wisdom. And uh, really, I love the way that you all share your stories. Uh, they give me hope. I trust that our listeners are encouraged and, uh, you know, throughout this season of Loving Well, we've been mentioning a number of resources, including our marriage assessment, which covers 12 different areas of your relationship. Maybe this is a starting point. I mean, Greg, for the couple that hasn't had that level of candor and vulnerability and truthfulness, maybe taking this assessment is a good starting point. What do you, what do you think? It really is, because here's what it's going to do. It's going to point out what you do well so that's a great place to start. Great conversation. Look, honey, it shows that we, you know, have a, a strong spiritual relationship. And why is that? And what do we want to do to even enhance that so mm-hmm. it's even more powerful in our marriage? So it's not all about, hey, you're a screw up in these areas, so fix them. It's going to show you what you do well, and then it's going to point out just a few areas that you guys can grow in. So then what you do is you go, okay, so it's saying that that conflict is a challenge for us. Okay, so what could we do this year to grow in that area? And and it it's so powerful when you assess your relationship and just take a moment, step back, and get some perspective on strengths and growth areas Make 2021 the year that we took a giant step forward in our marriage, and that's all going to start because you were willing to assess what's really going on. It takes five or ten minutes. You'll find the link for the marriage assessment and that book by Greg and Aaron, Reconnected, Moving from Roommates to Soulmates in Your Marriage. Uh, The link is going to be in the show notes. And let me also say your support, your financial support, is going to help marriages around the world. So please... Uh, give some prayer and consideration to how you might donate today. And uh, when you do so, we'll say thank you for joining the support team by sending a copy of that book. And we so appreciate you joining us for this podcast and trust that you and your spouse have a wonderful Valentine's Day. Our ministry is here for you throughout the year to help with a variety of family needs. So please uh, remember our number, 800-A-FAMILY, and stay in touch as you need. For the Smallies and the rest of the team here, thanks for joining us today for the Loving Well Podcast. There's choices that we make every single day. There's chances that we take, and I will always take a chance with you. A million winding roads, who knows where we will go today or tomorrow. Never give up.
It's a beautiful life if you never stop.